praise the Lord. Kingdom greetings to each and every one of you. I want to thank you also very kindly for joining me on Kingdom Empowerment with your host for this day, Dehima McLean. Uh, thank you uh, to Dr. Ganning, uh, who is also here with us today. I bless God for you. All the visitors and friends of Kingdom Empowerment, we're going to bless God for you as well. Uh, I am on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, we did have a very long break. Nevertheless, I am back on here, and it's truly a tremendous, tremendous blessing. We have a really powerful yet interesting topic on this evening, and I am looking forward to blessing you with this word. I pray that you go ahead and invite a friend on this evening. Uh, tell them to go ahead and dial in at 646-668-2413. Again, that's 646-668-2413. And I'll be truly, truly elated to have them on here this evening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the topic for today is what are altars? What are altars? But before we get into that, while the music is playing, um, we're just going to go ahead and pray in the meantime. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your presence, for your spirit. We want to thank you for who you are, God, for you alone are worthy of all the praise worthy of all the glory, all the honor. Father, we thank you for Kingdom Empowerment Blog Talk Radio. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that those who are listening on the line this evening, that God, that they will receive this word, hallelujah, that God, this word, oh God, will bring an enlightenment. I pray that it will bring spiritual empowerment, spiritual edification, spiritual enrichment to their life. God, may it build them up in the most holies of faith. Father, I thank you. I thank you, oh God, for every person listening on the line tonight. I pray that their lives will be blessed from this message. I pray that deliverance will take place from this message. God, we give you the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise. Hallelujah. We worship you, and you are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Once again, uh, this is your host for tonight, Dehima McLean. Dehima McLean, we're on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, all the way to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you'll be receiving two hours of power-packed teaching. Tonight we have a topic is, what are altars? Our topic tonight is, what are altars? Amen. We're going to open the lines every 10 to 15 minutes for those of you who have any questions, statements, or comments. Amen. Uh, The Bible talks about altars. It talks about altars, and altars, uh, as we know it, is designed for for sacrifices, and it's not just for decorations. We can find this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 24. Uh, the Bible also describes the various methods of constructing altars, uh, and some altars are made of different substances. Some were made of sand, uh, of stone, uh, stones that have been chiseled with tools. Some are made of bricks. And in some cases, uh, some altars are made of natural rocks uh, and automatically can be turned into altars. Um, 
altars, when we speak of that, uh, they're either constructed for God or they can also be used for idols. So all throughout the Bible, you see that altars were constructed either for two purposes, uh, for God or for altars. And any altar constructed for the purpose of idolatry oftentimes incur the wrath of God. It incurs the wrath of God. So ultimately, altars are supposed to be built for the purposes of God, where sacrifices can be made unto him, where worship and praise can be made unto him. Uh, That's what altars are for. Uh, In the Bible, we read the story of a king who was sacrificing uh, by an altar, and God sent a prophet uh, who prophesied to it. Uh, This shows the roles of altars in in a spiritual sense that at the altar uh, that's made for God, that altars can be made for spiritual transaction. They can be made for spiritual transaction. Uh, We see that uh, altars were made by mediums. Uh, It was also made for the communication and worship. Altars were made uh, in the Bible by several people. You see that with Abraham, uh, Moses, Gideon, Samuel, David, they all built altars. So we see that. Not only that, when Elisha had challenged the false prophets of Baal uh, and Baal worshippers at the Mount of Carmel, uh, he told them to construct uh, their own altar, and when uh, it was his turn, uh, what he did in return, in return of that was that he repaired God's altar. So oftentimes you see uh, the the war, rather, the battle of two altars, the battle of two altars. One is the altar of Baal, and the other is the altar of God that's built for our God or for other gods. And uh, Elisha repaired uh, the altar that was broken down uh, unto the Lord. Uh, An altar also can be described as a place where animals are sacrificed or slaughtered. Uh, And as I said, this is a place where blood is shed and where the blood cries. This is a place where blood cries out. For on the behalf of someone, whether it be a remission of sin, we see that animals and throughout the Bible have been, it talks about altars and where animals' sacrifices were made for the remissions of sin or for uh, someone to stand proxy as a mediator for someone. Uh, so altars were used for that purposes as well. Um, so we see that altars are made and the blood is made in exchange for something else. It's a place where uh, we con- the contact is made with the spirit world, and it could be with good or bad spirits. Uh, it's a place of spiritual fellowship where either clean or unclean spirits uh, you can see- be seen there. Uh, so this is basically giving you a brief synopsis of what altars is all about, what altars is all about. Uh, in fact, when Jacob built an altar in Bethel, uh, it, it was said that the angels of the Lord who were ascended and descending upon it, uh, there was an altar there, right? There was an altar there. So what am I saying from that portion is that we can access the spiritual world through altars. 
whether it be through evil spirits or for uh, the things of God. And through this, there is angelic trafficking in a sense where angels uh, can ascend and descend on the altar of the Lord. So the altar really stands in the gap uh, between making angelic transaction so that the angels of the Lord can come and uh, move on our behalf. This is what altars are for. Altar is a place where covenants are made uh, with spiritual powers. It's also a place of deliberation where decisions and actions are made, whether they be negative or negative, right? Negative or positive, excuse me. Uh, so deliberations can be made on altars. Um, I've even heard many times of uh, people who have gone on altars to inflict harm, on other people. So ultimately, see, altars are made for two different purposes, and it's really ultimately what you use those altars for, what you use those altars for. Uh, people pray on altars, right? Uh, as I said, people offer things, sacrifices, um, and, and, uh, where animals are slain on our behalf. So that's just a really brief synopsis of what altars are made for. Now, I want to say this one thing. Uh, oftentimes, what God constructs, what God uh, provides, what God uses and constructs for his children to get connected with him, uh, we see that oftentimes the enemy tried to counterfeit the things that God has instituted. Uh, and the devil likes to counterfeit the institution uh, that God has constructed to bless his people. Uh, and we see that uh, with altars. We see that with altars. We even see where the cross, the symbol of the cross, is even corrupted, right? Because we know that those who are in the satanic world, they use the cross, but it's an upside-down cross. So the enemy likes to emulate and uh, corrupt, pervert, and counterfeit everything that God has instituted. Um, and so no wonder why we see that he uses the altar. He uses the altar to inflict harm on people. So the enemy would go about using his angels to construct altars, and these altars are altars of affliction, right, where uh, you have priests ministering wickedness on other people, right? The devil has taught his people the secret of the altar, and they use it for destructive purposes. Right? So you have to wonder why. Why is it that the enemy oftentimes borrow the idea of God? I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes the enemy likes to borrow the idea of God because he understands the essence that there's life in it. He knows that whatever he borrows from God or tries to counterfeit, it's going to work because everything that God builds, everything that God instructs, uh, st structured uh, and have given to his children uh, that it's going to work. And so the enemy has now studied the things of God and the power that lies within it, and he teaches his agents the secret 
of, of, of these mysteries that were given to us. And he teaches his agents these things, and his agents also study the, 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 the blessings that we're supposed to rightfully have, and they use it. And that's why oftentimes you say, well, why does certain things work for people that are wicked? You know why it works for them? It's not that God intends for it to work for them because it's intended to work for us, but it's because they apply the principle. And so what the enemy does is that he teach the secrets of the altar to his agents for destructive purposes. That's why it is imperative that we as believers understand that everything that God has given us, that God has given us, that we have to learn to put it into practice. We have to learn to understand uh, the keys of the kingdom, the inheritance that God has given us, the, the sonship uh, that he has given us, the blueprint, everything that he has provided. We have to understand the power that lies within it and that how we are to apply it to our lives today and how to allow it to be effective. There is power in the cross. Uh, not only there's power in the cross, but there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the altar. There's power in everything. There's power in the word. There's power in prayer. But why is it that we as believers are not applying the principle as we should? And because we don't do that as frequently and effectively and efficiently as we should, now we're not seeing the manifestations in our life when God really has given us all the answers that we need. So the agents of darkness now are applying these principles, and they believe in the principles. So it's simply the fact that they exercise belief is why oftentimes it works for them. I've even seen that there are many people, even though they're not saved, they will go on the altar or they will go to a priest or a minister of God and they will say, here, I am sowing my seed. I'm going to sow my seed here at the altar or I'm going to uh, sow into this vision and I'm gonna, I believe that God is going to do it. And even though they're not saved, guess what? Be the fact that they applied biblical principle Sometimes they see the manifestation. And then here we are as believers saying, oh, I believe, uh, I'm, I'm trusting God. And then we waver in our faith and we don't apply the principle, then we don't see it happen for us. But it's the little things that God is telling us to do. Are you exercising your faith? Are you using the tools necessary to see the manifestation? And so <clears throat> we have to learn, excuse me, to apply principle. Applied principle. Okay, uh, so that's that's one of the things I want to share. Um, so remember, the Bible says that he has uh, uh, that he has been with God from the beginning, right? Uh, Jesus is was with God from the beginning, and he's seen the. Um, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. The enemy really was in the beginning. Excuse me. The enemy was with God in the beginning. He was not an enemy during that time. He was Lucifer during that time. And he seen the order of heaven. And he understood the way things work and how they're done when they were in the eternal realm. When they were in the eternal realm, the, uh, Lucifer saw how the construct of heaven 
were. So what he did was duplicate the things of God, and as I said to you before, he goes uh, about to teach his disciples how to use them in negative purposes um, and, 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 and what they need to do to make the evil altar a place of evil transactions where evil things can happen for people. That's why they go on the altar and all of a sudden uh, uh, infirmity is inflicted upon someone. Uh, they can pray on the altar and demotion happens, failure, uh, and all these other things. And we're looking at the situation and say, well, God, why did you allow this to happen? And it's not that we got allowed it to happen. It's the fact that the principles of the altar is not applied. You also see where they go to the altar and they go great lengths of not only that, practicing evil practices or the dark arts, they would practice white magic on altars uh, where uh, uh, they people can make money or gain for themselves, but apart from doing it the correct way. But the fact that they built an altar, altar oftentimes works for people. Uh, we've passed about 10 to 15 minutes already. Uh, if there are any questions, statements, or comments at this moment, I'm going to open up the lines uh, for any callers. Uh, you may feel free to state your name, where you're calling from, and if you choose to remain anonymous, you may do so as well. Um, if there aren't any, I'm going to go further into the different types of altar. But if you would like to interject at this time, caller, you are live. God bless you. Yes, good evening. Hello, woman of God. Good evening. God bless you. God bless you. Can you can you hear me clearly? I can hear you. Yes. Yes. Uh, very interesting topic. You know, um, I want to go back to something you had uh, shared earlier with uh, with uh, the counterfeit. You know, we, we even see that in uh, Egyptian mythology. I believe we had spoken about this before. Uh, forgive me if I'm uh, repeating myself, but we had mentioned uh, in Egyptian mythology uh, with regards to the birth of uh, the son of Osiris, uh, Horus, uh, mm -hmm. also the son of uh, the son of Isis. And it's amazing when we look back at that. There are some that will argue that uh, Christianity had borrowed the the virgin birth, if you will from Egyptian mythology, which would then make uh, the Christian faith pagan. Uh, but we need to reflect on how uh, the whole resurrection process had taken place. If any, uh, if, if I don't know if you know the story of Osiris, uh, he was cut into many pieces and assembled by Isis, his wife, and in so doing, uh, Isis to resurrect uh, her husband Osiris uh, she needed to tra she transformed herself into a bird, and in doing so, she was able to become. She hovered over his dead body, and that's according to uh, Egyptian uh, mythology. Uh, she was impregnated as she hovered above the uh, assembled body of her husband Osiris, and that's how Horus came about. Now, many will say, well, that's where uh, we get the idea. Or, or the, 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 the virgin birth from. But I do want to uh, uh, caution people when they, when they say this. Um, remember, Satan is a counterfeit. And if he can bring arguments, 
if he can bring confusion, because uh, as, if we know anything about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is not a God of confusion. Uh, the difference between uh, the birth of Horus and the birth of Jesus Christ is mm-hmm. the was done magically. Uh, uh, Isis magically transformed herself. There's nothing magical about the birth of Jesus Christ. Miraculous, yes, but magical, no. Uh, it is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Horus was not born of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he was born magically through through uh, the uh, uh, transformation, if you will, uh, his mother Isis into a, uh, a bird. So we need to make a very clear distinction between that which is born of the Holy Spirit that which is born of God, and that which is uh, created through uh, means of magic. So uh, there is a difference. So, and we, meet, we need to make that very, very clear. So, and yes, you're absolutely right with regards to the many altars. Uh, there are altars, uh, altars being used as a point of contact, uh, whether it be for uh, good or, or for evil. Um, and we need to know that uh, we, when we come to the Lord, we need to come right. And what I mean by that is we need to come with a, as the scripture says, with a broken and a contrite heart. Uh, God will not offer, or excuse me, God will not uh, accept a sacrifice that is uh, with spot or if it's blemished. And what I mean by that is if we're making sacrifices, but our heart is not right, uh, we're making sacrifices to God, but uh, we're still holding on to unforgiveness, and, and we're still holding on to the lust of the flesh. And, and, and when we come to the altar, we need to come to the altar, again, as I said, broken. We need to come to the altar with a mindset of, Lord, uh, in, in order for you to intervene uh, into this situation, uh, you require holiness. Uh, you require righteousness, not righteousness according to the understanding of man, but righteousness according to Christ. So uh, when we come to this altar, uh, it must be done uh, not in our own understanding, not, e- not even in our own strength, but coming before God broken and, and, and sincere and really uh, 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 with a heart that is truly surrendered. And then we, once we do this, and then more importantly, once we have an understanding of what it means to come to the altar of God, uh, then we'll begin to see change. Then we'll begin to see deliverance. Then we will begin to see the move of God. Because all we're asking for when we come to this altar, we're, we're asking for God to intervene, a, a God of spirit, to intervene into earthly matters. And in order for him to intervene into earthly matters, we need to invoke his presence. Uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Chronicles, uh, that uh, uh, if my people uh, who are called by my name, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that he will hear. So what we're doing is we're asking God to, Lord, hear our prayer, hear our supplication, hear us, Lord. We want you to, to intervene into this, into this problem. Uh, we want, uh, uh, Lord, an answer. Uh, uh, Lord, we want to hear a sound. So in essence, we're invoking God's presence. And therefore, there's a sound. 
So when God hears a sound, I will hear. And it's a very distinct sound. It's not just any kind of sound. It's not in, and it's not even noise. But it, it's a sound that, it, that, that, that just pierces the heart of God, if you will. It is, it is invoking his presence because it is a sound that he can connect with. It is a sound that is familiar to him. He says, ah, I recognize that. What's that smell? What is that fire? That I'm that I'm smelling, that I'm hearing, and God will says yes. That is a that is a that is something I can connect with. That is familiar. I recognize that sound. I recognize that smell. Let me intervene into this situation and and watch God begin to now partner with you and and begin to move on your behalf. I know I'm long-winded, so I'm sorry for that. I just wanted to to uh, that's, that's, share that with you. And uh, God bless you. I'm going to continue to listen and take notes and. Uh, Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure hearing uh, from you, and and, and, uh, welcome back. God bless you. Thank you so much, men of God. And, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, And that's what God is looking for, you know, because of a certainty. We see that, as I mentioned before, the difference between evil agents and, and God's children is that there are two forms of altar being built. And we don't want to see... Uh, those evil agents building the altar, yet applying biblical principle, and it works for them. Not that, not that God is allowing it to work for them. It's the principle that works. So I, I want to solidify that. It's the principle that works. It's not that God is allowing it to work for them. The principle. So they apply the principle of building the altar or even using blood sacrifice. They apply the principle and the enemy or Satan rewards his children. God rewards uh, his own. But the, biblical, the, the, the principle and the construct of the altar and what's supposed to be on the altar is what they apply and what works for them. This is why it's imperative as we as children of God do the same thing that was really designed for us. Designed for us, and as a man of God said, to partner. That's why it's really all about. The altar really is a place for partnership uh, between God and ourselves. And we want to see the hand of God move upon our lives. We're able to see breakthrough. We're able to see deliverance. We're able to see financial release. We're able to uh, communicate with God. And all these other things, uh, it happens when we position ourselves at the altar. Uh, And so that's what we have to look into. Now, there are different kinds of altar uh, we, we're speaking of, and tonight we're speaking of exposing and eliminating uh, uh, witchcraft operations. So we're going to be talking about the differences of, of altars and uh, the evil altars that the enemy has built even to stop, block the children of God. So here are some of the altars. Uh, that we're going to learn about tonight. Uh, the first altar uh, is tree altars, tree altars. Um, and we know that some people put sacrifices by uh, some trees, right? So different sort of trees will be used for the sacrifices. And sacrifices found around uh, tree altars are usually, uh, based on my studies, are wrapped with white cloth. Uh, that way, um, 
when the person is trying to find what the what was buried against them, they won't be able to find it. Right? And a report is filed against a person and a case of such a person is handed over to the demons living in the tree. Now, I know this seems like, um, again, all folklore to a lot of people or some sort of religious uh, theory that we've come up with. But these are some of the principles that witches and wizards use. They they bury people's virtue by the tree, by tree. Why do I say that? Because all these things are living organisms, things that God has, has again, uh, created, created. So they like to manipulate these things. So they will bury uh, people's virtue by uh, things like the, like the tree. So you'll find that there are tree altars, tree altars. Number two, there's also another altar that is used against, um, and I want to say something before I go into the next altar. Uh, something about tree altars that I want people to know is that when certain things are buried for you, perhaps, let's say, a witch or a warlock uh, decides to take uh, a wooden image of yourself or a voodoo doll uh, of yourself or something that belongs to you, and when they grab a hold of it or take possession of it, when they put it by the tree and bury it inside of the ground by the tree, again, what happens is that the, the spirits in the tree begin to uh, uh, cause your blessings to be buried. And now when in the spiritual realm, when you're trying to locate your blessings or trying to get a breakthrough or trying to get answers to your problems and looking for solutions, now you're in a spiritual rut. You're stuck. You, you can't find a breakthrough. You can't seem to... Uh, 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 hear God. It's like your life is at a standstill. Oftentimes when that happens to people is because their virtue has been buried against them. Their virtue has been buried against them. There was once a story, uh, that a documentary was done once on an individual where uh, someone was performing Santeria on this family. And what the person did is that they built uh, an evil doll in the image of the person whom they were trying to attack. They took it and they buried it by a tree. And all of a sudden, this person came down with illness and they died almost immediately. So it wasn't long before the person passed away. But, you know, the autopsy came back unknown, and uh, they couldn't find the answers as to what happened to this healthy person. And then uh, there was someone within that family member found the doll that was buried in the tree. They didn't understand the significance of it. They found the actual thing. But at this point, the spirit has already, the demons, has already carried out their assignment. And then they were able to see, wow, uh, this family uh, was um, attacked by a witch, and they were, uh, they succumbed to the witchcraft that was done to them. 
So the person was instructed to take the object that was buried against them and destroy the object so, and, and pray so that the curse that was placed on the object can be broken. So I'm just giving you an example of what um, evil tree altars are like. They bury your virtue. Now, there are some times you may not be able to find the object that was buried against you. Let's say if that happens to you or has happened to you or someone that you know, uh, this is when you begin to pray, and you pray and ask God to sanction his angels on assignment to locate where your virtue have been buried, and they will locate it by the all-seeing eyes of God, and they are able to, in this realm of the spirit, destroy that which was buried against you. So that's one thing I want you to know about tree altars. The other altars that uh, witches and warlocks or wizards, what they do against your life is what we call photograph altars. Now, altars are built against you, but the altars can be constructed where they use photographs. Any kind of photographs, whether they're wedding photographs, family photographs, uh, photographs of individuals. And through that, uh, evil curses is concocted on the altar with your picture. And that person will begin to receive or uh, experience torment and affliction, or they even may lose their life because of the concoction that was made against them. Marriages are also broken up because they can use their photos, right, uh, uh, and concoct things over that. So there are very kinds of evils that can be perpetrated on a person simply by using the person's picture. So if the person cannot physically attack you, what they will do is that they will somehow get a photo of you and they will begin to put that photo on the altar. They will pray evil curses, hexes, vexes, and spells, incantations over that photo, and it can still be effective because they're using your image. They're using your image. Uh, uh, that happens a lot to uh, many people. And that's why they, people don't physically need to have you in person to do to cast a spell on you. They use something that belongs to you. And photographs are one of the most common uh, uh, all things that they use to work against an individual, to work against an individual. So that's two. Uh, first is tree altars. The second is photograph altars. Uh, I'm going to go into another one, and now when I go into this one, I'm going to open back up the lines for um, questions, statements, and comments. The other altar that is used uh, is what we call image altar. Image altar. Now, this is also very, very similar to photograph altars. Now, image altars that they use are symbols that are made to represent a person or something in the spiritual world. And like I just mentioned in retrospect, uh, people will use a, a voodoo doll. A voodoo doll is a perfect example of that. Uh, or it can be an 
image of you, whether they make it out of clay, they can use clay or voodoo doll, uh, something that would represent you. They can carve your initials in it. They can name it your name. They can give it your name and say, that's you, and uh, summon demon spirits to attack you through that object or image. So symbols are made to represent a person or something in the spirit world, and whatever they do to that symbol may also happen to that person in the realm of the spirit. In spirit. So, for example, if they give a person a terrible head blow, uh, the person all of a sudden, they may be in a, one country and you're in another country, and if they use an image and they use an image and stick a pin in the image's head or whatever they do to that image or say over that image, you automatically will be in another part of the world will begin to experience that which they uh, has intended for to happen to you. So they may give it a head blow or stick a pin in it and say this, per- this or that is going to happen to the person. The person may begin to experience severe headaches uh, and they would perhaps uh, something terrible will begin to happen to them. Right? Or they may stick it in the heart and a person may feel pain in their heart or experience a heart attack. So whatever they want to do or to have done to you in the natural, they have the ability of making that happen to you through forms of images. Of images. And I'm going to tell you uh, towards the ending of this broadcast on how you can protect yourself from allowing this to happen to you. I have a few more um, alters that I do have to talk about, but at this moment I'm going to open up the lines for any questions, statements, or comments. If you have anything that you want to say in reference to evil alters and the three in which I mentioned, which is um, the first was tree altars, the second was photograph altars, and the third is image altars. So if you have anything in reference to these three altars, uh, caller, you are live, and please state your questions or comments at this moment. It's just more of a comment, a woman of God, and uh, thanks again. You, you know, one thing we have to realize that for a lot of people, or maybe this is something that uh, some of the listeners are familiar with, uh, particularly those from the Caribbean and Africa are familiar with this type of uh, witchcraft and uh, demonic altars. Uh, here in the West, uh, uh, not every church is familiar with what you're saying. Uh, some are, some aren't. Uh, and it's far-fetched and hard to believe. And, and some people may say, well, where is the, what you're saying in the Bible? Uh, one thing we have to understand about the Bible, it is a book of the Spirit of God. Yes, it's written by men, men who were inspired by God to write. Uh, some believe it to be true, some don't, but that is uh, up for self-discovery. But I think it's very important that when we understand uh, what is written in the Bible, it's, it's very important that we we need spiritual insight. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to to reveal some things to us, to say, Lord, uh, right now there's some things that I'm not quite sure about. You know, the woman of God is talking about 
all these different altars, tree altars and, and, and photograph altars and image altars. And, and it's hard to believe uh, that, uh, that some of this may be true. And we have to understand something is that this is the, this is the plan of the enemy. The enemy want, doesn't want us to know about these things. And when you're talking about these things, you're exposing uh, demonic realms and kingdoms and altars and the adversary doesn't want you to expose these things. He wants people to remain ignorant uh, to the devices of Satan and how he goes about his business. Um, one thing we have to also look at in the book of Revelation, uh, there was a war in heaven. And as the scripture says uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, uh, the word of God says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. And woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And, you know, uh, some people say, well, well, where did he come from? Uh, well, uh, if you study the Bible, uh, we, we know in uh, Corinthians that there's a third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, logic says there's probably a, a first and second. Um, when we read this scripture, we know that Satan came. From a particular region He came from a particular realm um, He as you said earlier uh, Wasn't always In uh, a, a wrong relationship With God he wasn't always an adversary uh, He was an angel held in Very high regard and because Of his rebellion because of uh, uh, His his Heart uh, that was Turned against God and he wanted to be like God he was he was cast Down as the scripture says and so now he has become an enemy. He has become an adversary. And uh, so therefore, this earthly realm, uh, as he was cast down, uh, as he's cast down, he is now, as the scriptures tells us, he is now the prince of this domain, meaning the earthly realm. You have the three. You have the three heavens. You have the th the, uh, the third heaven, which is where God dwells. You have the second heaven, which is where the stars and planets are, and then you have Earth's atmosphere, which is where the birds and the clouds are. That's that's where they dwell in the first heaven. So what we have now is a devil, a demon, a spirit that is in that is in this realm, and if he's in this realm and he's a spirit, in order for him to be effective in this realm, he needs to influence and he needs bodies. So this is where Scripture comes in and tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. So that is what makes what you're saying very real. And this is one thing we have to understand, that there are different levels of uh, 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 spiritual warfare. There are realms, realms that even the Bible doesn't really get into unless you study demonology and witchcraft. So... Uh, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, I'm sure there are books um, that perhaps you can even recommend to individuals who might have some interest in doing some background search, uh, searching on, on uh, uh, witchcraft and Wicca and, and uh, what you're referring to. Because it, for a lot of people, this is very difficult to digest. It's, it's actually frightening uh, because it's something that, wow, I, I didn't know, so how do I defend myself? How do I protect myself, which is what you're going to get into later on? And uh, uh, I just wanted to share that with you. God bless. Uh, I have a question. Yes. Hello? <laughs> yes, 
I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I have a pressing question here. I'm experiencing some of this myself. Um, I, I think I got rid of everything, but because mm-hmm. this this person carries divination, Jezebel, and some form of witchcraft that has uh, coveting, um, it's hard to kind of, uh, you very, it has to be very persistent, but because they put covens and cauldrons and darts and arrows in my leg, and because I'm an intercessor, I feel all of this stuff. So when you're warring to pray or whatever and praying certain scriptures, it, it's very, very painful to feel a uh, dart or a sword or arrow come out of your leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you know if, if it's all gone, the arrow or the cauldron or whatever? For them not to keep coming back and planting or wrapping you up, or I mean, I don't know if it's all gone. Okay, so your question is um, that there uh, is someone, uh, whether it be a witch, warlock, there is someone that is um, <clears throat> targeting you by means of witchcraft. And because you're an intercessor, you're, you actually physically, tangibly feel all, the, all of the attacks. And how do I know that they're all gone? The attacks is gone. Is that correct? Yeah. How do I know this uh, witch? I mean, I've, the sad part about it is I've known her for 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know this person was uh, hunting me like a dog and love my uh, ministry and destiny so much so that they were willing to covet my stuff, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, ministry, in order to just put me to the wayside and just take over my life and, uh, you know, do it to, it was the, the, the spirit was coming in through my daughter, through her emotions and attacking me through my emotions. So now it's gone out of me, so my daughter would be delivered next, but it's been very difficult to keep it away. It was, I, I guess, I might have been there for like 10 years, but I didn't know until recently, well, you know, probably about uh, eight, nine months ago. So now I'm to the end of it, so that's why I was saying, even if this person has a picture of me or all these things that you're mentioning, how do I know this person won't come back to wrap me oh, up? Oh, okay, so that's so, what you mean by all gone. Okay, so that yeah. the person won't come back. Okay, okay, I understand. Yeah. Because one of the things in, when, it, when it deals with spiritual warfare, uh, we have to be very, very uh, uh, direct and know exactly what to target. So uh, when you made all gone, when you said all gone, you meant more so in your life all gone or the pain gone or uh, just in your home, gone. But you're saying overall, everything. Correct. I don't want. Yeah, the, yeah. The whole cauldron, whatever. All that out of my leg, out of my life. Period. Everything. <laughs> yes. Everything. Okay. Well, there are many different steps uh, as far as deliverance is concerned. Uh, one of the things that you want to ensure to make sure that they're gone is counterattack. 
You always have to be at a place where you're in the offensive. You have to always counterattack. Uh, so to ensure that they're gone, because the enemy is always going to try to attack you. Uh, and they mm-hmm. can do that by many different means. But what you want to focus on is being on the offensive and to also uh, make sure that you're girded up. So you're not going to necessarily more so focus on them. You're going to know what to target, but you're going to more so focus on you. Now, what are the necessary steps for deliverance? Uh, And this is the, I'm giving you the generic answer and the necessary steps for deliverance and to uh, repel spiritual witchcraft that is uh, uh, launched out against you. One of the things that you must do, number one, is acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, I know that you're mm-hmm. saved, but we literally have to go through the process. Uh, we're saying, God, mm-hmm. I acknowledge you, especially when you're in time of prayer. God, I acknowledge you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you begin to praise him. You begin to thank him. So, number one is acknowledgement, giving praise and thanksgiving uh, because in doing that you are allowing God to now begin to work on your behalf you're acknowledging him you're calling him you're giving him the right to uh, 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 intercede and interfere in your your problem that you need uh, number two is that you want to make sure that there is no form of unforgiveness anywhere so whomever no. is a Attacking you, you have to make sure that there is no room for unforgiveness. You have to forgive that person, whether they're a witch, warlock, friend, because unforgiveness opens doors and portals and gateways for us to get attacked. Uh, because remember, a curse cannot come without a cause. And not only that, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it also says that if you break a hole in the hedge, a serpent shall surely bite you. And oftentimes what breaks a hole in the hedge is the fact that they, I'm not saying you, but it could be unforgiveness or unresolved issues, uh, confrontation, bitterness, resentment, hatred, any sort of ill feeling that you may have for that person. You want to make sure that the breach is closed up. And the only way that breach is closed up is, is through forgiveness. So you have to ask God for forgiveness. Uh, you have to forgive the person of the offense that they inflicted on you and also to forgive yourself. You have to also ask for forgiveness of those that are uh, within your generation. So you want to make sure that you're covering four specific areas. You're asking God for forgiveness. Uh, forgive that person who offended you. Uh, you want to forgive yourself and also ask for any potential generational uh, offense that your whomever in your generation may have caused to allow the attacks to come. Uh, the other step that you want to do is definitely uh, renunciation. So whatever it is that they have done, you're going to now begin to renounce it. So I renounce, you would start by saying something like this. I renounce every spirit of witchcraft attacking my life, my daughter's life, my family's life. I command it to go now in the name of Jesus. And I know you're an intercessor, but I'm just giving you the generic 
primary steps. Also, you want to activate your faith because without faith, um, uh, demons necessarily are very stubborn and they do not leave, especially if you're not exercising your faith and kingdom authority. The Bible says uh, the disciples asked Jesus a question, why could they not cast out those demons? And it's because it was their lack of faith. So you want to exercise your faith in the process while you're doing the renunciation, believing God that they're leaving and asking the Holy Spirit to intervene. After you do that, we have to be very, very specific in what we're targeting. So you want to target every area that you know that they're working against you. Uh, Jezebel, witchcraft, infirmity, pain. You want to target all those particular spirits, and then you have to send them somewhere because you don't want to target them and then leave it open. You always are supposed to close those portals or gateways in which they came through. So you want to send them somewhere. We send you back to where you came from. We send you back to the abyss. We send you back to dry places uh, so that way they do not revisit you. And you have to be consistent. The last step, I would say, is to be consistent, consistently worshiping, praying, and fasting. And this is what keeps the spirits away from attacking you, uh, wearing the armor of God. So that requires you being on the offensive all the time. And the more you do it is the more that the spirits will become uncomfortable and the angels of the Lord will drive them away. God will ensure that your deliverance comes when you are consistent. Now, oftentimes, a lot of people expect the spirits to leave right away. There are some uh, spirits that are more strongholds that are very challenging, they're very stubborn, some are more entrenched than others, and so they don't oftentimes leave right away. So you do want to be patient and constantly repeating the same cycle and, and doing self-deliverance on yourself, whether it requires laying on the hand of yourself and say, I cast out every spirit that's inside of me that has came through the attacks. And as you do that, you begin to, they come out in different ways, whether it be coughing, sneezing, um, uh, spitting, vomiting. They come out in different forms, and that's a form of deliverance. And the more you do it, the lighter you'll feel. You'll, you'll begin to feel lighter. You'll begin to feel uh, the oppression and the weight lift off of you. And that's how you know that you're getting the deliverance until you get to a place where you no longer feel it. Okay, so you definitely want to uh, apply those principles, and oftentimes that's what helps to uh, bring total deliverance. You no longer feel the attacks as you would uh, anymore. So I, I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. You answered it great. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're welcome, woman of God. If there's any other questions, uh, it's fine. I can take, I'll take them now before we go any further because what's most important is that people are getting the answers that they need. I mean, I can go through, I can always make this a part two, but I just want to make sure that I'm praying for everyone, and uh, if there's anyone that I necessarily that I need to pray with over the phone, I, I can do that as well. But if there's no further questions, statements, or comments, then I will proceed with the others. Hello, woman of God. Yes, God bless you, man of God. God bless you. Yes, yes. Um, I, I have a question. Um, are there any altars, and this is for Christians now, um, mm -hmm. are there any altars, uh, maybe you know of some, 
that we unknowingly have set up uh, within our homes, uh, things that we call uh, knickknacks and uh, trinkets, uh, maybe something we picked up uh, at, at the circus, uh, you know, little things that we can, you know, we put around the house and on shelves. Um, are there any altars or uh, uh, things that, you know, we unknowingly think that, oh, that's harmless. You know, that, that, that little frog, come on, that ceramic frog, um, or, or my little owl, what, what, who, who's, who's that hurting? Uh, sometimes we, we inadvertently or unknowingly set up these altars, even within our own home. And I, I just wanted to um, uh, ask you or present that. It's not really a question, but uh, what would be some of these uh, altars or little trinkets, the things that we would consider to be harmless that we set up in our home? Uh, do you know of any? Well, absolutely. Men of God, you brought up an absolutely amazing, amazing uh, point. Uh, because, again, sometimes um, – and I think I'm going to get into this. Sometimes spirits attach themselves to objects. Spirits oftentimes attack, attach themselves to objects. So you're absolutely right. There are curses uh, that we oftentimes inflict on ourselves uh, knowingly and unknowingly. And, yes, um, they are attached to objects. Okay, now some of the things that, that can be considered, and actually this can be anything. I'll give you perfect examples. Uh, there was, um, and I experienced this myself, uh, someone had purchased, a, a good close person to, my, to myself had purchased um, a mirror. They purchased a mirror for their home. There was a brand new home. They just got married. They purchased a mirror for their new home. They thought it was amazing. They went to a thrift shop to get the the mirror. They liked the fact that it was really nice and it was antique looking. They purchased the, the mirror and they put it up in their home. Now that mirror has been there for a while. The mirror has been there for a while. And um, when the person, the person said nothing to me actually. And I was at their this person's home, very good friend of mine, person to myself, I was at this person's home, and uh, she was in, in her room, and I was uh, in the living room. I was in the living room, and I was watching TV. Now, this mirror was to my left. It was to my left. And, of course, you can see from your per peripheral view. And it was just something about the atmosphere that felt very, very eerie. And uh, being a spiritual person that I am, my spiritual, my spirit is very inclined and heightened, which every believer should be at that place. Your spirit should be so sensitive that you are able to know what environment and atmosphere you're in, to know if there's spirits around or if they're not. And so I sat on, the, on her couch in her living room area, her dining room area, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching TV, but I'm, the atmosphere just begins to feel so easy. I could barely watch the program or even sit down. And I, I remember looking to my left right where the mirror was. And in the mirror, I can see a man standing up in the mirror combing his hair. Now, this man looked like he was from the 1800s. You can tell it was nowhere in this 
time we're living in, in the 21st century. He looked like he was from in the 1800s. He was in the mirror combing his hair. It was an African-American man, kind of heavy set, and I saw him plain as day. I turned around. I looked again. The man was no longer there because we made eye contact. I saw him in the mirror. And when things people don't know, that spirits attach themselves to objects. This person, uh, spirit, was uh, literally trapped inside the mirror. And that's another form of witchcraft that uh, uh, witches perform. They know how to trap people's souls in mirrors. And uh, I immediately told the woman of God and said, well, this is what I saw in the mirror. Where did you get the mirror from? And she said, oh, I got that from an antique thrift shop. And it's very old. It's an old piece. And that explained to me, wow, okay, she needs to get that mirror out of the house. Because if she does not remove it out of the house, it, it gave that spirit legality. It gave them grounds to be inside of her home now because uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the mirror was there. So that, that's another one. Um, it can happen with other objects. Um, this happened to another individual whom I know. They had figurines there, little trinkets, as the man of God said, little trinkets, uh, figurines, people who collect figurines, and masks. That was another one. Another person I know that collected figurines and, and masks in their home, but they were from Haiti. Okay? And with these masks, they represented something. And the person put the mask in their house. And all of a sudden, they were experiencing paranormal activities in their home. There was no longer peace. It seemed like destruction began to happen to them, uh, against them. And we're saying, well, what is the problem? All of a sudden, things seem to, you want to examine what is in your home. Did you buy a necklace that belonged to someone else? Did you buy it from an antique place? It can be a necklace. It can be a ring. It can, it can be anything that has a spirit attached to it. So you want to make sure that whatever is in your house, you are praying out your house and you pray over every little thing that you purchase. This is why I do not recommend people get their, um, get, they get their uh, materials or whatever they're purchasing from thrift shops or secondhand uh, things. I do not like secondhand things because oftentimes you never know what was attached to it. There was another story, and I'm just giving you examples to answer the man's question, of a man that had a watch, and this watch belonged to someone's grandfather. And uh, the fact that it was passed down to the grandson Everything that the grandfather experienced, the son began to uh, experience. And not until he destroyed the watch and got rid of it, the curse was broken off of his life. So, man of God, to answer your question, yes, those things give the spirits legality in your home and altars can be built and spirits do attach themselves to objects. Thank so you. we have to dispose of the object. Uh, and I forgot to mention this, and the Holy Spirit just dropped this to me. It's important that we repent. We repent for anything in that we have allowed to come into our life, whether it was unknowingly and unknowingly. So repentance is a very important uh, thing that we have to do 
every single day because you'll be surprised we sin against God daily and don't know it. There are things that we allow and don't know it. So repentance is necessary. I've, there's a doctrine that people have been saying lately that if you repent and you're walking, uh, uh, you're, you're doing the formalities as a Christian, as reading your Bible, going to church, you don't have to be in repentance every day that once saved, always saved. You don't need to repent after that. Listen, do not listen to that doctrine. That doctrine will make you an enemy of the cross. We are supposed to live in repentance. And I, yes, I know that the... There's finished work on the cross, but we're still living in our mortal bodies. Repentance is necessary. Men of God, I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yes, you did. Thank you. You know, you, uh, you, know, you, you uh, brought me to uh, a movie, Hollywood movie, that dealt with this uh, regarding a uh, Raggedy Ann doll and a spirit mm, that had yes. attached itself to, to this particular doll. Um, I'm not going to mention the movie just, you know, for the sake of, uh, not mentioning the movie, <laughs> uh, but you can do the research on it. Uh, but it's amazing how Hollywood knows more about spiritual warfare than the church and, uh, and what goes on in the spirit realm. You know, we, we, we think it's just Hollywood and, and, and horror movie movies, but there, there, there's, some, there's some substance there. You know, may, there may be some fiction there, but if we look a little bit further, uh, it, there's some information there that certainly we can look at and analyze and examine. So, you know, um, this is something we, we really need to seriously uh, look into. And, and uh, you know, so I, God bless you, you know, for what you're doing and you're exposing uh, what, what uh, Satan does. So I'm going to continue to listen. God, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Uh, Hollywood seems to know a whole lot, and you're correct. Um, we've seen those Hollywood movies with the dolls, and uh, they had to dispose of the dolls. Otherwise, you know, it, you know, it created chaos for them. Uh, so you're right. You're right. So here's um, here are the other altars, and thank you so much for your feedback. Here are the other altars. You have uh, what's called reporting altars. Uh, this is the kind of altar where, as I said before, the name of a person is uh, chanted at all times. Uh, so victims of the reporting altar will be hearing their names without knowing who's calling them, right? And if they answer, they immediately fall prey. So a person can be at the altar uh, and saying, X, X, X is going to experience so-and-so, and X is going to this, and X, and X, and X, and, and they're constantly calling the person's name, X name, they're constantly calling the name, and what happens after that, the person can hear, wow, I hear someone call me, did you call me? And that's what we call name throwing, a name catching. So now you think someone calls me, and then you answered yes, but all of a sudden when you answer yes, you automatically begin to activate what that person was doing against you. And that happened to a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I know this all seems like superstition. I know this seems to the natural mind to be fictitious. 
But the Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. You can find that in Corinthians. It's spiritually discerned. It takes a spiritual mind and man to understand what happens in the spiritual realm. Okay? Uh, so you do want to be careful. People have a tendency of, of, of uh, uh, Richard and Wallach, they, they call the person's name on the altar. And, and that's what we call reporting altar. Then we have what's called clothing altar. And they, this is a case where people, uh, you know, they, where the evil people lay hands on the clothes of their victim for evil purposes or they take um, something that belongs to the person, uh, clothing, they, they cut away a portion of it, uh, uh, you know, something that was stolen, mysteriously stolen from the person, so that they begin to use aggressive prayers, uh, witchcraft prayers against that person. So, again, here's another one. We have to be careful whom we give our clothing to because our clothing is associated with us. And in our clothing, we have our bodily fluids, and it can be used against us, okay? So you want to be careful whom you give your clothing to. Uh, uh, we've seen even there's a man of men, the man of God mentioned Hollywood happens to know this. There's another recent movie that, was, that came out a few years ago, not too long ago, where there was a witch that cast a spell on uh, a banker, and she took the, the banker's button because she wouldn't approve her loan. I'm just giving you examples. And took the button off of the person's clothing, and she cast a spell on the button and placed it back into the woman's hand. And from that point on, the, uh, that, that curse would not leave her. She was cursed for the rest of her life. So that's another example that they use clothing. They can use clothing to take what belongs to you. If they're envious of you, they can use your clothing and take what belongs to you. They can take your ministry. They will take, try to take your, your spouse. They will try to take away your finances. So that which rightfully belongs to you, they can take it. And so here it is. It looks like they're prospering, but really what belongs to you, they're trying to take it. So that's why God says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You can find that in John chapter 10. Come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has come to give you life and that more abundantly. So you can repossess your possession. You can go back into the realm of the spirit and begin to pray violent spiritual warfare prayers and extract everything that was stolen from you in the realm of the spirit. And you can retrieve it by going into the realm of the spirit and possession, repossessing your possessions. So you can use clothing. They use clothing. Uh, there are other forms of it. The man of God also made mention to, of it earlier, how it, it says it in the book of Revelation, will be unto an inhabitant of the earth and the sea, uh, Revelation chapter 12, because Satan has come down to you with great wrath, knowing that, he ha that his time is short. It says, will be unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Now, he operates in that domain. He operates in the domain of water. And so they have what's called uh, river altars, which will be associated with the water. Uh, river altars, these are altars that are meant to serve uh, with water demons. This is 
associated with the marine kingdom. And they uh, begin to sit on the blessings of people. Again, they take blessings from people and to keep them submerged. They literally keep them submerged in a spiritual body of water in the realm of the spirit where it's like they cannot find, uh, again, to seem to get a blessing. They're going through this constant evil, vicious cycle in their life. And they are submerged like a submarine. They're buried in the depths of the sea and cannot find their way out. This is what we call river altars, where water demons serve for that purpose, where the person um, is designed to be buried. You have forest altars. Again, uh, many people do not know that the destroyers do not sleep. Your enemy does not sleep. They're always busy, and they're always operating. And so they operate by night. How do we know that? The Bible mentions that in Psalms 91. They're pestilence that crawl it by night. They do not sleep. And they're constantly working to uh, destroy your life. Now you have also what they called, uh, I just have a few more. I'm going to stop at uh, number nine. I'm going to open up the lines again, and then I'm going to go through the other remaining altars uh, that I have left, which would be the four other altars that I have left, and then I'll open up the lines again. So the other altar that uh, is body part altars. Uh, and so this differentiates from clothing. Uh, they don't use clothing, but they use body parts, like they use your hair. If a witch can get a hold of your hair, they can destroy your life. They will use your placenta. Uh, that's why you see, even when you buy hair products, you will see that placenta is used. So they can use placenta. They use uh, sweat. They use uh, uh, saliva. Uh, they use blood. Uh, they use different parts. Uh, uh, they can use any bodily fluids from your body to use that as a form of witchcraft. Okay, so again, you want to make sure that you do not, you're not, you're more careful, rather. You're careful uh, 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 of what they can get a hold of. So at this moment, I'm going to open the lines for any questions, statements, or comments. If not, I can proceed with the uh, remaining four, and then I'll open up the lines again uh, for the uh, remaining 40 minutes that we have left. So call it your life if you just want to say something or interject. Amen. Thanks again, woman of God. Uh, you know, everything that's been talked about and shared, uh, yeah, it, it's very, very important. And you know, a lot of us you know, don't understand what it means to be in a spiritual war. Uh, when we look at uh, the scripture and uh, the epistle of Jude, uh, there's a scripture that says, uh, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. So uh, if you don't think uh, Satan is real, if you don't think he's, uh, uh, he doesn't have angels uh, who are, who are uh, uh, going about uh, harassing and, and, and afflicting, uh, the the people of God, uh, you're, you're sorely mistaken. There is a strong contention. There is a war going on. 
for your soul. And trust me, Satan is doing everything he can to rail against you, to frustrate you, uh, uh, to bring false accusation against you, uh, to say, oh, this is not a man or woman of God. And, and, and we have to understand that this is an ongoing battle. And uh, as I'm sure you're going to talk about later, uh, how do we defend ourselves uh well number one there's nothing we can do in the natural uh to 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 be victorious over the spiritual war now now of course christ has fought the battle he has the keys of sin and death so the victory has been won but that does not stop the adversary from afflicting the men and women of god it does not stop the adversary because as the scripture says uh, he knoweth that he hath but a short time before he's bound for a thousand years. So uh, Satan and his ministers are doing what they do. Uh, so therefore, being that we're in a war, a spiritual war, excuse me, and it's very important that in war we do reconnaissance, meaning that we know who we're fighting, we know the capability of our enemy, uh, we 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 send in, if you will, our our, our special operations team uh, in the Holy Spirit to uh, do some reconnaissance to say, okay, uh, I see what the enemy's trying to do. We have discerned what he's trying to do. So now we need to follow this course of action. So you need to, as you said earlier. Call this demon by name. Call this spirit by name. Jesus did it. Whether it be a spirit of fear, whether it be a spirit of suicide, what have you, we have to call out this spirit, call it out and cast it out, all right, in the name of Jesus Christ. So, uh, number one, we have to, for in order for us to be victorious, we first have to know that we're in a war. A lot of us, you know, we're so uh, 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 caught up in Jesus that we don't understand that we're still fighting. Christ has given us the victory, yes, but we still have an adversary, and he is still out there trying to, 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 to rail against us. He's still out there trying to uh, uh, frustrate us, and he's trying to get us to denounce Christ. And whether it be our, our, our uh, uh, treatment, Towards one another There's a lot of people out there says, no, I can't deal with church people So if he can sow So if the enemy can begin to sow tears Of, of, of hatred Against your own brothers and sisters I can't deal with church people Because they're hypocrites So the Bible also says that, that As men slept The enemy came and sowed tears So we need to wake up To what's going on around us We need to say Lord And if you don't understand and you say, Lord, help me to understand what it is that I'm struggling with. And, Lord, if this is an assignment from hell, if this is uh, Satan trying to establish a, a mental warfare and frustration to me, Lord, thank you for exposing that. So, my brothers and sisters, in closing, I just wanted to say, that's why I had read the scripture, there is a contention. Uh, and you have angels. You have, no, number one, you have Jesus Christ. And, yes, you have angels of war. Like, like, like Michael the Archangel, who's an angel of war, he's a warfare angel, fighting and contending. And if anybody speaks out against you, you have angels. And Psalm 91 says, lest you dash your foot against the stone, there are angels that will lift you up and fight on your behalf. Do you realize that? And it's not, and it's not just a couple of them. 
There are angels by the thousands, if not more, who are ready to defend you should Satan try to rise up against you in the name of Jesus. So, so just know that you have power in the name of Jesus. You have authority to quench every fiery dart of the devil. If the devil wants to fire darts in your body, at your legs, your arm, your head, know that, again, we have the armor. We have the word of God to, to, to defend us during, during this time of affliction. So I just wanted to share that. God bless you. Absolutely awesome. Men of God, thank you so much for uh, that feedback. It's really, really powerful um, that you shared. Uh, for the sake of time, I have approximately 30 minutes left, so I'm just going to go straight through uh, and then I'll open up the lines after I get through the fourth, um, the remaining four altars uh, before I can get into the ways of deliverance, ways of deliverance just to reiterate for those who may not have um, had a chance to to hear. Okay, so I'm just going to try to get through this as quickly as I can uh, before tonight, and, and we'll close out with a prayer. Uh, close out with a prayer tonight as well. Okay, so we have also uh, number 10. We have astral altars. Uh, this is where there are people who utter evil wor- words against uh, the stars of other uh, in order to render their life unfruitful. Okay? So they will use uh, astrology, a form of astrology, uh, to... Again, to render evil a person's life unfruitful. That no matter what you try, you can have two, three, four jobs. You just don't know where your money is going. Uh, you can uh, try to keep a relationship, but that just doesn't work. You try, and you're a good person. You're saying, God, I don't understand. I'm doing all the right things, but that just seems to constantly be going through failure. Uh, you just, your life is unsettled. It's uneasy. It's uh, unfruitful. You're not growing. You're not moving forward. These are some of the things that uh, astral altars causes to make your life unfruitful. Number 11, uh, you have altars of evil transfer. Altars of evil transfer. This is where satanic priests and, uh, 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 and spiritual robbers are at the altars to evil, make an evil transfer. What do I mean by evil transfer? That which rightfully belonged to you, now they try to take that from you in the realm of the spirit and make it their blessings. So your, your blessings, now they rob it from you and make it become their blessing, and that which was on their life is now on you. So there is an evil exchange and transfer of virtues, an evil exchange and transfer of virtues. So they are now... Are reaping the benefits of your virtue and your blessing when you receive their bad luck, for lack of better words. Uh, so that's what we call altars of evil transfer. And again, we're going to use that scripture uh, that I mentioned to, to solidify that this is so, uh, where we talk about angelic trafficking where the altar was built in the Bible, and it talks about the angel of the Lord ascending and descending. They were transferring blessings, ascending and descending. So, again, likewise here, there can be transfer, but evil transfer, where uh, evil is exchanged for your good. Okay? Then number 12, we have uh, 
family shrines. This is probably a very big one that people don't know because oftentimes we want to hold on to possession that belongs to family because we have some sort of sentimental attachment to them. But really, uh, they carry some things that you don't necessarily want. Okay, so family shrines is any family with shrines has an altar, and other family members are monitored through those shrines. They can be religious shrines as well. Okay, uh, religious shrines, not swines, shrines. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay, uh, humor is good. So while things was there, the men of God mentioned that things are, uh, are brought into homes, okay? And so it created traffic for demons in your homes through family shrines. We mentioned that earlier. The men of God mentioned it, things that you bring into your home. So it creates trafficking for demons to come back and forth into your home and also giving them information because they monitor you, monitoring spirits through these shrines, okay? And oftentimes it takes a person great, a deal of deliverance to get, a great deal of prayer, excuse me, to get deliverance to destroy the effects of these idols and shrines uh, that was brought down to them or they inherited through family uh, or through religious shrines. As I said, again, um, spirits attach themselves to objects. So they can also be used as monitoring spirits, monitoring spirits. They're monitoring every activity um, in your home, wherever the shrine is. And then you have this uh, 13 and last that I'm going to mention. I'm sure this is not exhaustive, but I'm, I am giving you a great portion of uh, the most common altars uh, that we need to know about. And then there's physical altars, this type of altar where they sacrifice people, um, they actually sacrifice people, okay, on altars. And you see this a lot of often people who practice Satanism where they put people um, on altars and they begin to draw their little star around that person and they uh, sacrifice that person in whichever way uh, they do, um, you know, they will put them in the middle of that, that, that circle with the star and they put them on the altar and they begin to do whatever it is that they do. So that's what we call physical altars. So if there's any questions that you may have concerning the last four remaining altars that I mentioned, you may uh, ask me any questions or make any statements at this time before I get into the ways of deliverance. I'm just trying to go straight through this to conclude this topic for tonight. So if there's any uh, questions concerning the four remaining altars, uh, you may do so now. Praise the Lord. Are there any remaining questions? Yes, question. The uh, astral altar, if it's a, uh, I don't know, when I notice it, it's when I'm, it ambushes me again and I'm confused and thrown around and then I feel, then I realize after I come to my senses that it, it uh, blindsided me again and then I'm like, okay, what happened? So I think, it, I'm sure it's an astral altar. It happens in my living room, but I'm not, uh, I'm trying to figure out if it's a stealth or if it's an altar, like something like a little, little, um, she likes, she liked at the time, give me little gifts, 
like the sword of the spirit or whatever. So maybe if I need to go in my house and get all those things and throw them in the trash, whatever she gave me, so that I can get rid of the astral altar. Yeah, well, I, I would say this to you. I would say to, this to you. Um, and this can be very challenging uh, for some people, very challenging. Now, there are some people, and this is holistically up to you, it's, it's your will. There are some people that would rather keep things that are very valuable to them. Uh, they don't necessarily want to let them go. Uh, some people actually decide to uh, try to sanctify it through prayer. Some people resort to doing that. But my recommendation, I highly recommend discarding them. Uh, you know, it is, for me, in my opinion, there's no need to hold on to something that's going to create more warfare for you. Because, remember, it's, it, there's a tie. As I said, they attach themselves to objects. So there's a tie uh, with giving of, of objects. And it keeps you connected to that person when you have gifts that were given to you. So I, I've even seen this with ministry. There are some times where there are things given from one uh, ministry that maybe uh, was practicing charismatic witchcraft, and they gave that person a title, or they gave that person a gift, or gave that person uh, a position. Oftentimes, if you find yourself um, uh, under a ministry or a friendship or something that that has control, a Jezebelic leader or things of that nature, you want to detach yourself from that control because they use objects. They use whatever they gave you to control you through it. So uh, really you have to pray. Uh, my suggestion is pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, I'm just giving you the generic basic steps of deliverance and what to look for. I'm just giving you the message. But the Holy Spirit is the one that gives the solution. So I'm going to say that again. I'm the one who's giving the message as to steps there to take and to enlighten you about how it operates. But the Holy Spirit ultimately will tell you what is it that you need to do concerning those particular objects. I don't want to tell you, oh, yeah, just go ahead and dump everything. Uh, just dump everything in the garbage. And really, it wasn't necessary to do that. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and convict you and say, this thing is not good to be in your home. And he will give you the solutions. He will give you the answers. And he will speak to you. If you pray and you ask him, he will bring that clarity. But really, he brings clarity, he brings clarity through information. And being that tonight you receive information, the Holy Spirit then comes in and works with the information in which you received. Uh, so that he will tell you from there on, okay, this is not good for you. But in your spirit, if you feel that uh, that this person somehow is still connected to you through the things that that they gave you, then discard it. There are things that I was given at one point that I completely discarded, so that way I had no attachment to that thing anymore. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you another example. I'll give you another example because in the realm of the spirit, what happens in the realm of the spirit is that you detach yourself from it. You may not physically see it, but in the realm of the spirit, you detach yourself from it. And I'll give you a perfect example. And this is a personal experience that I had, uh, and I hope this helps and uh, helps you tonight. 
that uh, there was a particular ministry um, that I was connected to, and in order for me to have received my freedom and liberation from that ministry, I prayed, and I began to pray, and I gave my I gave my will and said, okay, I'm going to detach myself from this particular ministry. Uh, that night in the realm of the spirit, I had a dream. In the dream, uh, what began to happen is that I separated myself from that particular ministry. I walked away from it, and I had a ring on my finger in the dream. It was a ring finger, actually, like a wedding ring finger, because I was married. I was attached to that ministry. And the moment I began to walk away, that ring fell off my hand and broke, and it fell on the floor. And that's how I knew in the realm of the spirit that that attachment that I had was no longer there. It was broken. And from that point on, I never felt attached from that particular ministry again. So uh, it, all of this stuff happens in the realm of the spirit, but sometimes it requires for us to physically do something before it can happen in the realm of the spirit. So I hope that makes sense to you. Yes, it does. Thank you so much, woman of God. Okay, you're welcome. God bless you. Okay, so just to recap, ways uh, to deliverance, in which I said I was going to do. I have about 20 more minutes, and I'm going to go into ways of deliverance. Uh, so as I said, uh, acknowledgement. Number two is to repent of those things in your life that, you are, that you've given evil altars the platform to prosper in your life. That's number two is repentance. Number three, you want to renounce them, and it doesn't matter whether you – what you know about them or not, you want to renounce them, which is why, again, I suggested that it's best to detach yourself from whatever was given to you, uh, whether it was a boyfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever it is that gave you something, you want to detach yourself from it. Uh, number four, you want to resist them by using the word of God. That is always the answer. The word of God is always the answer. Um, then you definitely want to withdraw your benefits and virtue from the altar, which is what I said. You want to, in prayer, go back into the realm of the spirit and retrieve that which was taken from you. Because as I mentioned, that there's an altar of exchange. And so you want to retrieve that which belongs to you by repossessing your possession. You want to destroy the altar, uh, which means... You want to get rid of that which created that platform in the first place, uh, giving God the praise to worship and all of those things of that nature. And then you want to do renunciation, that you begin to pray and say, every evil altar erected against my life and my family be demolished by fire. So you want to apply fire. You want to apply the blood. You want to apply the word. And begin to refuse. You have to refuse and be resilient uh, in prayer uh, and fasting to be a prisoner of any altar that they try to bind you with. Uh, because these altar is what gives them a contract. Uh, these wicked spirits, a contract sealed to you. So you want to renounce every vow that was made, knowingly or unknowingly, any vow, any allegiance, any pledges that you've made with that person knowingly and unknowingly. Uh, so those are some ways to renounce uh, those things. Now let me quickly give you some characters of altars, some of the characters of altars. Altars have the power to bless or to curse. 
You can find that in Numbers chapter 23, and you can read verses 1 through 30. So they have the power to bless or to curse, Numbers chapter 23, verses 1 through 30. Okay, so I'm providing scripture. So everything that I, I mentioned tonight is always important to provide scripture so that uh, because anything apart from the word is not the word at all. So I'm providing scripture so you may write this down or take notes. Numbers chapter 23, verses 1 through 30. And altars can and do speak for generations. You can find that in Genesis chapter 28, verses 11 through 22. Genesis chapter 28, verses 11 through 22. Number two, you have altars that can stand as a memorial for those who raised them. Okay, these are good altars. Uh, you can find that in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 21. Genesis chapter 22 verses 15 through 18, and 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verses 8 through 12. Again, Genesis 17, verses 15 through 21, Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18, and 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 12. Number three, altars can control destinies of people under its power. Uh, it's a powerful force uh, that can work for or against a person, okay? So they have the Ability. These are characters of altars. They have the ability to control destinies. Uh, <clears throat> number four, altars can speak on your behalf. Again, either negatively or positively, in your absence or in your presence. Because uh, why is it that? Because uh, there is a deity behind the altar. There's deity, whether it's God, the Almighty God, the Supreme God, or God, lowercase g. Uh, behind the altar, and you can find that in Revelation chapter 6, verses 7. They have the ability to speak on your behalf. Number five, evil altars empower or propel generational curses, which is why I said when you uh, want to pray, especially or asking for forgiveness, that you go back to 50 to 100 generations because there are some altars that are continuing in people's lives because they haven't, they have to repent for their, the sins of their ancestors. And that curse will continue to go on unless that person is anointed to break the curses, generational curses as in their life. If not, it will continue to perpetuate unless it's broken. And as I said, these evil altars or generational curses, it gives demons access into your life in the foundation, in the foundation. So bear in mind that no altars speak without a sacrifice, okay? And it's offered to demons, which comes through with covenant or some sort of spiritual legal agreement where their vows are made unknowingly or unknowingly, and that's what gives them legality uh, to torment your family or your life. Okay, so those are some characters of altars. Now, here are some steps in building an altar unto the Lord. Okay, so now we're providing solutions. First, we spoke about what the enemy tries to counterfeit. Now we're speaking about deliverance and uh, characters of altars. Now here are some steps in building an altar unto the Lord. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Uh, number one, you demolish all altars and repent over idolatry. Okay? So in raising an altar unto the Lord, we must ensure that we are not building an altar existing that was raised to 
create the problem in the first place. So we want to demolish all altars and repent over idolatry. Uh, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, you can use this as reference. Number two, you want to stand as a priest, as sonship and uh, uh, God, and plead for mercy. Plead for mercy and identify yourself as God's servant, as God's servant and his chosen generation, which we can find in First Peter chapter 2, verses 9. And so when we remind God that I am your holy priesthood, I'm, your, I'm a chosen generation, I'm chosen of God, and you begin to uh, remind God of your priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, which is Jesus Christ, and he, him standing uh, as mediator and as a propitiation for our sin, God will then begin to intercede when we plead for mercy. Number three, we want to address the name of Jesus Christ by calling him by name, uh, and when calling him by name after taking going through the process of deliverance and repenting of sin and breaking down the evil altars and addressing him. This is why I say acknowledgement is important. You want to acknowledge him, acknowledge him of any uh, sin or idolatry that created it. Again, as I said, renounce every existing agreement that was made between uh, you, the demons, and the altar that was made knowingly and unknowingly. You want to burn down those altars, destroy those former priesthoods, uh, and, and give it all over to God. Begin to pray and fast. Those are always effective tools. And then you want to raise a new altar to God. Raise a new altar to God. Uh, um, and this is when you begin to exercise spiritual leg legislation. You begin to exercise spiritual legislation. You break down those all altars as Elisha did that was offered to uh, the prophets of Baal, uh, the prophets of Baal offer, offered to their gods, Baal, and uh, uh, those altars were broken down and God's altar was erected uh, where the Holy Spirit, where you and the Holy Spirit are in communion now, now and, and you offer yourself as a sacrifice on that altar. And you saying, God, I offer myself as a sacrifice on the altar, because on the altar there always has to be a sacrifice, which is why it's important to even sow or to give, because on um, sowing and giving uh, is a sacrifice. So we can do that through um, uh, our our uh, financial contributions, or we can do it by giving ourselves as, as an offering, as a burnt offering. Say, Lord, I'm sacrificing myself unto you. And you begin to do that, and God sees it as an acceptable sacrifice. And not only that, not only that, you ultimately say you want to remind God of his word, that Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. And when you apply the word, saying, God, you are the ultimate sacrifice, then, then we can begin to see God manifest in our lives in a greater way. So those are ways of, of giving on the altar. Okay, and we have an obligation to build an altar that will bless and sustain the next generation, that will bless us so that the heavens, the portal of heavens will be open unto us, that the gates of heaven will be open to us. And we see that with Prophet Elijah in First Kings chapter 17, verses 1, uh, in chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, where uh, when you build an altar, you enforce, you reinforce God's judgment or his blessings to be bestowed upon you. So you can create an altar before the Lord in prayer, and you begin to see the gates of heaven open for you. 
and being committed in prayer and fasting uh, and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, where all these things are added unto you, okay? Uh, as I said, prayer is the greatest instrument also that is given uh, to us by God. And when we connect to the heart of God, when we uh, connect to him, he changes our situations. When we begin to pray and, if, and use the word, he changes our situation. We can also prophesy to ourselves and our situation and deliverance is necessary. Uh, Self-deliverance and deliverance is necessary in seeing these changes uh, that we want in our life. For the favor of God will begin to manifest and humbling ourselves. Okay, uh, so I have a few minutes remaining. I have nine minutes remaining. So I am going to uh, pray some spiritual warfare prayers where you can, or rather spiritual declarations, where you can uh, pray uh, along with me. And um, then we will conclude for tonight. Uh, for tonight. So uh, here are some examples of prayer declarations that you can pray. And I'll just be praying them now. I render every aggressive altar impotent in the mighty name of Jesus. I, every evil altar erected against my life, be disgraced in the name of Jesus. Anything done against me under demonic anointing, be nullified in the name of Jesus. I curse every local altar fashioned against me in the name of Jesus. Let the hammer of the Almighty God smash every evil altar erected against me in the name of Jesus. O oh Lord, send your fire to destroy every evil altar fashioned against me in the name of Jesus. Every evil priest ministering against me at the altar receive the sword of God in the name of Jesus. Let the thunder of God smite every evil priest ministering against me at the evil altar to burn to ashes in the name of Jesus. Let every satanic priest ministering against me at any evil altar fall down in the name of Jesus. Any hand that wants to retaliate or arrest me because of my prayer, dry up and wither in the name of Jesus. Every stubborn, evil altar uh, 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 working against me, uh, in the name of Jesus, be destroyed. I possess my possessions stolen by any evil altar, in the name of Jesus. I withdraw my name from every evil altar, in the name of Jesus. I withdraw my blessing from every evil altar, in the name of Jesus. I withdraw my breakthrough from every evil altar in the name of Jesus. I withdraw my glory from every evil altar in the name of Jesus. I withdraw my prosperity from every evil altar in the name of Jesus. I withdraw anything representing me from every evil altar in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And those are Examples of spiritual warfare prayers that you have to pray against every evil altars working against your life. I have approximately five more minutes uh, before I conclude the session for tonight. Amen. I'm going to open up the lines for any final questions, statements, comments before we conclude. Uh, please take about approximately one to two minutes uh, before I can give a few announcements and uh 
conclude for tonight. So if there's any final questions, statements, or comments, call you alive. Woman of God, thank you for those prayer declarations. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Is there any other final questions, statements, or comments? Well, if oh, there well, aren't any, amen, yeah, I just want you to... Okay, please go ahead. Yeah, yes, God bless uh, you. Please go ahead. Yeah, yes, I'll be quick. Um, yeah, one more thing. Uh, in those prayer declarations, I appreciate you specifically talking about the evil altars. Um, unfortunately, in the Christian faith, we have a tendency, some have a tendency of cursing people. So I like uh, very much how you targeted your prayer against the spirit, against the evil altar, where, where not to curse anyone. So if you're That's having right. a struggle against someone, make sure that the, the, our focus is on the spirit that is in operation. Do not curse anyone because, again, remember the Bible says that we are to bless and curse not. So don't curse anyone uh, who comes up against your ministry, who comes up against you personally. Uh, we're not to curse people. We are very much dealing with, uh, as the woman of God said, you're dealing with evil altars and you're dealing with spirits that are in operation in and through people. God bless you and have a good night. Man of God, thank you so much for that. And that was a very, I'm going to conclude with that. Uh, it is important. I mean, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There are spirits behind all of this that's motivating people to commit these evil acts. We want to pray for them. Uh, 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 there are some people who say, okay, well, we're going to use Psalms, and they begin to manipulate the Scripture and want to use the Psalms against people and begin to curse people. That's not the words of Jesus Christ. As the man of God said, uh, the words of Christ says, bless and do not curse. Bless them who persecute you and despitefully use you. Because in blessing them, remember, remember, uh, Balaam was hired to curse Israel. But every time they sought the Lord, and every time they gave it over to the Lord, nothing was reciprocated. The curses did not work against them. It was all blessings that came back to them. And so when you are going to pray, you target the spirit. And not only that, you if you pray, you want to pray the word. You want to forgive them that curse you because in doing so, you will heap a call of fire on their head. Let God be the one to execute the judgment. We are not in that position to execute judgment, okay? So we are to pray for them, and we have to pray and say, God, I pray that you said in your word that whatever man sow, that also shall he reap. Now you're praying the word. Though you can also pray the word by saying, well, Lord, you said in your word that, uh, uh, that we shall eat the fruit of our own labor. And so guess what? what uh, if a person whatever they sow unless they repent then that's what will be reciprocated because it's it that's how the kingdom principle works that's how kingdom principle works it's not karma it's kingdom principle unless mm -hmm. they repent or you never know who may repent so you don't want to become that thing which you despise you don't want to become mm -hmm. uh unknowingly because we can use the scripture and become a witch and we don't even realize it so we do want to be careful of that we're not supposed to pronounce judgment on anyone but to forgive bless them in jesus name uh my friends thank you all for joining me on tonight i pray that you were edified about this topic evil altars i want you to know that jesus christ is on 
this throne. And because he's on his throne, sitting on the right hand of God, you are already victorious. Amen. If you pray, if you fast, if you apply these principles, you will not perish. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. But when you begin to edify yourself in the word and in the things of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue risen against you in judgment shall be condemned. And that's what the Lord, the word of the Lord declares. God is with you and he will fight for you. The Bible says stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. My friend, I am your host for tonight, Dehiba McLean. I want to thank you all so kindly for joining me and taking the time of your busy schedule. Please invite a friend for our next segment. I'm on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Power Pack Teaching, Spiritual Edification, and Enrichment. God bless you. They can call in at 646-668-2413. Again, uh, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on social media at Dehema McLean Ministries. That's D-I-H-I-M-A-M-C-L-E-A-N, McLean Ministries. And you can connect with me if you have any further questions. I want to thank you also very kindly. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And for those of you who are not saved, please come unto Jesus Christ. He can save you. He can bless you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and you confess him, you are saved. Find yourself a local church to go to. Amen. Because Jesus is coming back again. God bless you for tonight. I love you. Jesus loves you even more. Live in the expectancy of God. Good night. Good night.